the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And you got me, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and I'm here for you. I'm here to bring you meaningful, pithy, relevant information. And, of course, we're getting close to the vote. It's time to vote in the primaries, whether you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. Turn yourself out. Now, this is important, and I say this to my listeners because I know that you guys will go out and talk to your friends and family and colleagues at work. It's extremely important at this midterm election for everybody to get out and vote. And especially to those of you who consider yourself conservatives, because we've got a real dogfight on our hands and we're going to have to really pull together. Now, I realize that some people have been turned off by the president, but I want to look at what he has done, which has been nothing short of tremendous and stupendous, whether it's the economy, foreign policy, rebuilding the military, uh, starting to undo Obamacare. And there have been a number of items that have that have been uh, signed by the president, executive orders, changes in the laws, which are gradually chipping away at Obamacare. And I think in the long term, maybe even in the short term, will bring down the cost of health care. I'm, I'm very hopeful about this, and especially about the uh, cost share programs, the, the MediShare programs that you can uh, Google and join. These are, some of these are faith-based programs. They're basically cooperatives where everybody agrees to share the cost of health care, and you have a common pool, and then if somebody gets sick and needs extra help, everybody chips in. And it's bringing down the cost considerably, 500 bucks a month for a family of four in some situations. And we got to do this. We got to get the cost of health care down. So the president's not only working hard in the economic and diplomatic world and military world, but also in the healthcare care world. And, and like him or not, agree with him or not, when he tweets out what he does, we need to get behind this platform of his and stick by it. Remember, we're not voting for the man. We're not voting for the personality. We're voting for the positions and the personality that can best carry that forward for us is the person that we want in office. Well, I talked last week about the things that are concerning people, and this is relevant because we're going to the polls to vote and there is a lot of criticism of the right and a lot of criticism by the right of the left, 
And so we need to take a look at what the issues are. And of course, for Americans, like everybody else, crime and violence, especially terrorism, uh, remains a concern, financial and political corruption. And we're going through a big to-do with the FBI, and we're outing all these corrupt left-leaning socialists who have uh, done their very best to work to try and ensure that President Trump would not be elected. Of course, that didn't happen. Unemployment, which has plummeted. So that's not as big a concern as it was four or five years ago. Poverty, social inequity, that's less so for conservatives and for the middle of the road people because there are a lot more jobs out there. People are making more money. Now there's criticism that the incomes have not risen proportionate to the uh, rise in inflation. But as I've discussed in previous shows, this is not actually true. And if you go to the Congressional Budget Office, uh, you can see that the Growth in wages has really kept up with inflation, but it's been in benefits. It's been in health care and in time off, uh, paid time off, different different aspects. And is this even throughout the economy? No, but I think that we can do more to ensure that it is, and especially if we can bring down the cost of health care and make things like job sharing more available to people, especially to women with families who want to spend more time with their families. I understand that. And that's happening in medicine as well. So I think that uh, poverty and social inequity are falling, even though the left says it's not. Uh, Unemployment has obviously plummeted. Crime and violence has been going down for the past 30 years. Healthcare, we need to work harder on that. There are some improvements that need to be made. But I think the president is doing the best that he can under the circumstances, given that the Senate has not been uh, all that cooperative when it comes to the health care issues. So these are the things we have to consider. And these are the reasons that we have to get out and and vote. And listen, if you have an absentee ballot, sit down and fill it out today. Don't wait until later in the week when it's too late to mail it in or you have to run it downtown or somewhere else uh, in the county of your voting that you have to drop it off. So we need you. We need me. We need everybody to get on the bandwagon and let's let's get this moving. Now, Newt Gingrich has uh, an interesting piece that I saw this week, and it's a little disturbing because it talks about how the left is morphing into the Jacobin, the Jacobin movement in the French Revolution in the 1790s. For those of you who don't remember your history, shortly after our revolution in 1789, uh, France had its revolution. Now, it quickly morphed into a one-party state with an oligarchy of terrorists, left-wing terrorists, led by Robespierre, a lawyer, and other people are involved, like Marat, who was a physician. And they instituted what they called the reign of terror. And what they did is anybody they considered an enemy of the state, which meant that they were an enemy of the Jacobins, was arrested and executed. And tens of thousands of people were executed summarily without 
benefit of a trial and without any real justice or law. And the stories are, are horrendous. One woman wept when her husband was beheaded at the guillotine, guillotine in en français, in French. And she wept even though he was an enemy of the state, according to the Jacobins. Because she wept, she was forced to sit beneath the beheaded body until the blood stopped dripping. And then she was executed and beheaded for sympathy for her husband, who was a bad man because he opposed the Jacobins. And so the nascent democracy that was started in the 1789-1790 period was upended by this reign of terror. Now, how does this tie in with the left wing that we see blossoming in our country right now? Well, they're referencing the Jacobins. And the Jacobins were the most violent and radical political group of the French Revolution. And so they were the terrorists. They were the terrorists who, like Lenin and Stalin, got control of Russia. They got control of France. And, of course, they did it in the name of the people and in the name of equality. And anybody who was a royalist or an anti-Jacobin uh, was... Uh, an enemy of the state, the Committee of Public Safety, was formed. And if you were deemed insufficient, insufficiently loyal, well, then you got your head chopped off. So the Jacobin clubs were located throughout the, the, the country. And there was a lot of sympathy for the, uh, for the revolution in France and the United States among the Democratic Republicans led by Thomas Jefferson. And Jefferson said this was a good thing and that we should back this. And, of course, the Federalists, who were the conservatives, led by Washington and Adams and my favorite man, Hamilton, and other people said that we need to stay out of it because this is not a good thing. It's going to end up in a reign of terror, as it did. And Hamilton predicted that it would end up with a new Caesar. And in 1799, guess who took over? You got it, Napoleon. He overthrew the Jacobins and killed all of the uh, committee members. Uh, by that time, most of them had been killed anyway. Moral was murdered in his bathtub uh, by a woman who was opposed to what he was doing to the country. And so Hamilton turned out to be right, and he said this in the early 1790s, that this will end in a dictator. This will end in a new Caesar. And, of course, Thomas Jefferson uh, ate a little crow in the 1800s, and he quieted down on his support for the, uh, for the French Revolutionist. And it was a bad thing. And now we have people on the left who are wanting to start Jacobin societies. Now, listen, this is not uh, a, a fringe movement. This is not something to sniff at. This is not a minor occurrence in our country. The left has been wanting communism or socialism or whatever you want to call it, which is basically just another form of fascism. It's a, it's a single-party system, and it says that the majority of us will live 
in semi-poverty while the ruling class, who knows what's best for us, will live in relative luxury and comfort as the fascists did in Germany and as the communists did in Russia and in China. And we still see the remnants of these parties. Basically, you have fascist governments in Russia and China. It's a one-party state, just like it was under Hitler. And under Stalin, it's still a one-party state. You're in Putin's party or you're not. You're a Communist Party member in China or you're, you're not involved in the politics. You don't have a real say in what goes on. Yes, it's true that anybody can become a Communist Party member in China, but it helps if you're connected. It helps if your family is connected. It helps if you got money. And, of course, you have to be really um, devout to the cause. You have to be an avid communist to get in. You have to be really committed. And most people are not that. And so most people don't have a voice in how their government is run in China and Russia, as they did not in fascist Germany or Italy. And here are these people on the left who are saying, we want a social democracy, which is just communism, thinly veiled. And of course, we're saying, who's going to pay for democratic socialism? And democratic socialism is an oxymoron. You can't have socialism and democracy because by definition, socialism is a monolithic philosophy. How can you have a democracy when you have a monolithic philosophy? You can't. You have to have a, a polytheistic uh, philosophy. And by polytheism, I don't mean multiple gods, although that may be part of it. Under our Constitution, you're allowed to believe in what you want religiously, spiritually, or, or in nothing, if that's your choice. But a monotheistic philosophy cannot be the basis of a democracy. So we got to turn out and vote, and we got to turn out in droves. We've got to turn out even stronger than we did when we voted in Donald Trump. We've got to get behind the people that he's supporting, not because each and every one of them are the best person, but most of them are good people. And I'll talk a little bit later about Putnam versus DeSantis. But I think that at this point, we need to have some solidarity as we stare down the left wing, as we vote down the left wing, and let's do it democratically. Let's do it with the system we have in place. I don't want to see us devolve into a civil war, and we're getting closer and closer. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Now, I hear a lot of people say, oh, we couldn't develop, we couldn't uh, deteriorate into a civil war. Yeah, we could. We did in the 1850s. And you say, well, the issues were bigger then. They had slavery and that was a big deal. Well, as I've said before on the show, the left sees the use or abuse or whatever you want to call it of illegal immigrants as a form of slavery. And they want to abolish that. And they think that people on the right uh, just want to use illegal immigrants and then kick them out 
course, that's not what we're saying. We don't have a problem with immigration. What we have a problem with are illegal immigrants. What we have a problem with is chaotic immigration. What we have a problem with is anarchy. Anarchy does not work, just as communism does not work, just as fascism does not work. Eventually, it deteriorates in totalitarianism, and then that ends up in the majority of the population basically being subjugated, being slaves. And I don't want that, and I know you don't either. So this is another reason that we got to get out and we got to vote and we got to get everybody we know out to vote. And we've got to encourage them to vote conservatively. Now, the, the primaries are this week in Florida or next week. They're coming up. So you got to get your vote in now. So if you've got an absentee ballot, I want you to sit down and fill it out today. And if you're not sure of all the candidates, get on the Internet, and look it up. And if you don't know for sure, uh, but you have some feelings about somebody, then go ahead and vote for them. Or if you're not sure at all, don't vote for that person. Vote for the people you know. I think it's a pretty clear choice between Governor Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson has been a left winger, mid to center to left for his entire career. And he supported Obamacare, which has been a disaster. It's taken money out of Medicare and it has uh, driven up the cost of health care precipitously for all of us. It was just a redistribution of the wealth into the Medicaid population. If we're going to do that, and I don't have a problem with expanding Medicaid, but let's fund it appropriately. Let's pay for it out of our taxes as we go and not hide it behind uh, a switch and bait program where we shift one set of funds meant for Medicare into another set of funds meant for Medicaid. Let's not do that. If we want to provide health care for people who can't afford it, then let's get rid of Obamacare programs and let's just expand Medicaid. I don't have a problem with offering everyone some minimum health care. I think that's a reasonable stance to take, and we can do that by looking at the Medicaid system, which is in place, and why, why reinvent the wheel? We've already got some kind of a program in place that is publicly run. And no, I don't agree with publicly run programs. I think that private enterprise is the best way to go, even in healthcare. But that ain't going to happen in this day and age. So we're going to have to find some way to balance all of this out, our need for private enterprise with uh, public support for universal health care of some type. And you may not agree with me on that, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm still voting ultra conservative, but I can still work within that that template for some changes. I can help reset some of the type here and there. So we're looking at a leftist movement that wants a monolithic state, wants a one-party system, and make no mistake, this is the history of violent revolution. It, it, it is religious oppression. It's dictatorship that Jacobin magazines like the DSA and the opportunistic Democrats are embracing now. And they actually have a magazine out that is the Jacobin magazine now, right now, present day. And they're all rushing 
to this. And even Bernie Sanders has shared articles from the Jacobin magazine on their social media accounts. This is frightening. This is bad news. And they're trying to take over the classrooms. They're trying to take over the press. They've done a pretty good job so far of taking over the press. And and think about all of the current movements, whether it's Antifa or Ocasio-Cortez, this young woman up in one of the boroughs in New York who's running for the House of Representatives, all these people that are coming out of the woodwork and everybody who's quickly shifting even further left. And, and you hear some of the pundits on radio and television say, well, you know, they're just doing that because they want to get the base support for the primaries. But in the general election, they'll run back to the middle. I don't agree with that. I think that the leftist movement of the Democratic Party has been the heart and soul of the party since FDR, and that what they have wanted repeatedly is a socialist state in the United States. And I heard this in college, and I've talked about that on the show. I heard it in the 1970s. I heard it in the 1990s. I hear it from my sisters. I hear it from people I know who are on the left, I hear it in the press. Come on, guys. What they want is socialism. They think that big corporations and private enterprise is evil. And I've heard this from doctors in the lunchroom. Intelligent people, highly educated people, top of their class. And I've argued with them. And they will say, well, the antitrust laws at the turn of the 20th century were meant to check these evil corporations, and that's what the unions were about. And I don't have a problem with the working man organizing and demanding that they be treated fairly by the businesses or that the workplace be safe and healthy. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. Of course, all of this coincided with the technology that made it possible for us to inspect food, inspect workplaces, look for toxins, and start to quantify what is safe and what is unsafe. This is all technology-driven. The populist movements follow the technology. Let's put all that aside. Do we want a French Revolution? Do we want a reign of terror? I mean, we will not have a reign of terror here. We will have a civil war if we allow these movements to continue. We can't go out and kill these people. That's not the way to do it. We may feel that way at times. We may think we want to go out and shoot them, but no, that's not what we want to do. What we want to do is get out and vote. We want to get everybody we know out and vote, and we want to convince them of the rightness. I'm not going to say the righteousness because I don't want to turn this into a religious uh, dialogue or monologue, although I think that we have to protect religious rights, and that's part of being on the right, and by that I mean on the right side of the issues, not on the political right, but on the right side of the issues. And the right side of the issues is that freedom and democracy and fiscal conservatism and a strong military and 
a booming economy. All these things are better for us than any socialist program that we could ever implement. No socialist program has ever been able to make everybody equal. It just doesn't. You're going to have the power hungry and the greedy. You're going to have the, the great middle that is happy to do their job and come home and raise their family. And you're going to have the lower end. You're always going to have the drunks on the street and the psychotics and the people that need help that don't have any money or cannot do for themselves or are incapable of figuring out how to make a living or are too emotionally disturbed to function properly in society. There's always going to be that. Our job as the great experiment, as the great democracy, as the last great hope for mankind, is to continue on with what we have and what we're doing. you got to get out and vote. You have to get out and vote. Listen, democratic socialism is even on T-shirts now. It's the way life should be, according to the left. No, it's not. I mean, democratic socialism is just another form of fascism. Hitler was a democratic socialist. He believed that the government should provide the basics and should manage private industry and decide which industries would be okay and which wouldn't and would decide how much tax they should pay. And it was a one-party system. It was a dictatorship. And that's what these regimes evolve into, are dictatorships. Just as in the 1790s with the Jacobins and the, the Committee of Terror, the Reign of Terror, the Committee of Public Safety, Robespierre, the leader, basically became a dictator. We got to fight this. It's a big fight coming up. It's a big fight coming up. We've got... A lot at stake here, and we can't let go of the gains that we have made now in reclaiming our democracy. We have to continue to fight for this. And listen, uh, if you think social media is not affecting people, 14% of Americans say that they have changed their views because of social media. They have changed their political views because of social media and because of movements like Me Too, like Black Lives Matter and MAGA. And granted, these are mostly younger people, my son's age, and that's the age when you should be malleable and when you should consider all the issues. And when you're deciding who you are and where you fit in with society, some of us uh, come out of the chute uh, already politically formed. A lot of us don't. A lot of people, when they're young, are liberal, and as they get older, they become more conservative. As Churchill said, he who is a conservative at 20 has no heart, but he who is a liberal at 40 has no brain. And I think that's a pretty good uh, one-sentence assessment of how we evolve over time. But right now, we have a lot of the millennials who are being influenced by social media. And this is not going to get better. Social media is going to crack down, not on the left and not on socialism and not on 
internationalism and pacifism. Let's face it, social media is an international phenomena. Why would they be anti-internationalism? They can't make money like that. Why would they be anti-socialism? These are popular topics, and people who get on social media are more likely to resonate with that, especially the young people. There's money in it. So we have to counter the social media. We have to counter it by showing up to vote, by letting our voices be heard, by speaking out at work or in family affairs or in meetings of the, of the tribe or in political debates. We have an absolute responsibility to speak out. And the best way we can speak out, and I'll say it over and over and over again, is to get out and vote. And most of you who listen to the show, I realize are conservatives. And so I therefore say to you, you are the most important people to get out and vote. I want you to get out and vote. And I want you and everybody you know to get out and vote. And I want you to talk to everybody this week and make sure that they either fill out their absentee ballots or they show up their, at their polling place later this week. I forget what day we're voting. I think it's coming up soon. I don't know if it's Tuesday or next Tuesday. Do you know, Bill, what day we're voting? Off the top of my head, no, sir. Sorry. Well, you can look it up during the break. That's your job, man. Okay. And, and you let me know. That's an order from the boss. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so we, we want everybody to get out and vote. Now, after the break, I'm going to take any calls and any comments that you might have. I also want to talk about uh, Putnam versus DeSantis and my views on the situation. Uh, as I've said before, I don't think there's any anything to talk about with Bill Nelson and and Governor Rick Scott. Rick Scott has been a superhero in making sure that Florida has stayed financially solvent through this recession we just went through. And he has been a harbinger of rational conservatism. He's also very uh, practical and he knows how to get things done. He's a businessman. He's a politician. Um, he is ex-military. He loves his mother. And all the things that I think are positives he has. And you can say, well, Bill Nelson is ex-military and he loves his mother and he's a politician. I don't know that he's ever been in business. I think he was in the military and then went into politics right after that. And as I've said before, my understanding, and I may be wrong, my understanding is, yes, he was on the space shuttle. But what did he do? He operated a crane. He operated the Davit. He operated that piece of equipment that lifted things out of the cargo bay. And basically, the space shuttle was a big pickup truck and would move it outside to the space station or for the astronauts who are working outside to attach it to whatever or fix whatever. So the guy was a heavy equipment operator. I don't have a problem with that. I th you know, I think that we need all kinds of people in government. And I'm glad that we have heavy equipment operators in government. Everybody needs to be representative. But I don't think that this is an endorsement of him as a highly intellectual man or a highly thoughtful man 
or a highly insightful man. And I don't think that he has fully grasped the great issues of the day. And I think that he has gone along party lines way too much. And I can't say enough about Rick Scott. And you may say, well, he was tainted by his time with Columbia HCA and the problems they got into. You know what? He didn't know anything about that. I mean, he may have given general directives to his people to do what you can. And if it looks like there's a loophole in the tax laws, take it. That's what everybody does. But he had no idea of what each individual little hospital in Florida was doing. And it was HCA that ended up paying the bill because they bought these hospitals without knowing the problems that the hospitals had with the federal government and billing Medicare and tax issues. And HCA ended up paying a billion dollars plus in fines for this. And they weren't even their hospitals at that time. At the time that the, that the laws were broken, HCA did not even own these three little hospitals in Florida. Just as Trump had nothing to do with what Paul Manafort did in the, in the 1990s and 2000s, whether it's illegal or illegal, legal or illegal, Trump had nothing to do with it. Manafort wasn't part of his team then. So there's a lot to consider. So get out there and vote for Rick Scott. <clears throat> I don't think that he's got much uh, competition in the primary, but vote for him anyway in the primary. And then in the general election, let's vote for him. I'm going to grab a cup of Joe. Be right back. You guys hang in there. I am your Dr. Bill. I'm your one and only Dr. Bill. There is no other Dr. Bill. So when you think of Dr. Bills, you think of me. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The Trump administration says conserving oil is no longer an economic requirement for the U.S. The administration's position outlined in a memo released last month in support of its proposal to relax fuel mileage standards. More women than ever before have won their primaries for governor, U.S. Senate, and House this year, setting U.S. record and battles in November that could significantly increase the number of women who are elected to office and change public debate on a number of issues. Some of the candidates could also play a pivotal role in whether Democrats take back control of the U.S. House, looked at as a dim prospect by a number of political analysts. The small Greek island of Telos will become the first in the Mediterranean to run exclusively on wind and solar power this weekend when the blades of its 800-kilowatt wind turbine start turning. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. 
Most insurance plans accepted, and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments, so call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. I just can't stop scratching. Struggling to get relief from itching due to your atopic dermatitis, also known as eczema? If so, you may qualify for a clinical study testing an investigational medication for the itch associated with atopic dermatitis. Qualified participants will receive study-related care at no charge. Call 1-844-777-4824, 1-844-777-ITCH, or visit advandastudy.com for more information on how to participate. Sponsored by Vanda Pharmaceuticals. Hi, this is Charlie Slows. 20 years ago, I called the first Major League Baseball game in Tampa Bay. These days, I'm calling games in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., but proud to still call Tampa Bay our winter home. I'm also proud to say I'm now a spokesperson for a man many of you have come to know, David Graham of Graham Capital Advisors. In the early 2000s, we were all making a lot of money in our IRAs and 401ks. Then the Great Recession hit, and half of our money was gone goodbye. Now that things are rolling again, get a good second opinion from Graham Capital Advisors before the market tanks again. David Graham is a master certified estate planner. He works for you, not some large corporation. Call Graham Capital with offices in Tampa, Sarasota, and D.C. Have them review your portfolio and protect what you've worked so hard for. In the words of David Graham, it's not what you have, it's not what you earn. It's what you get to keep. Schedule an appointment today. Go to GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, clouds and sun with a shower thunderstorm around later in the day with a high 92. Tonight's partly cloudy with a low of 76. By tomorrow, we're partly sunny with a shower thunderstorm in the area with a high of 91. By tomorrow night, we're partly cloudy with a low of 76. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Alex Mack for AM860, The Answer. Don't tell me how to live my life, don't tell me what to do. Repression is always brought about by people with politics and attitudes like you. People and politics and attitudes and you. People and I'm back. She is surprisingly an English woman who is a poet and I guess a songwriter more sounds like rap to me, but she's a conservative. And that's from the power game. One of her recordings of one of her poems. And part of the poem says this, the left wing rich trying to shed their guilt, go knocking down dreams before they're even built. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what to do. Repression is always brought about by people with politics and attitudes like you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Could not have said it better myself. So we got to fight the left. I'm talking about getting out there and voting. And I'm I'm going to take a look at uh, Adam Putnam versus Ron DeSantis, since most of my listeners, listeners are going to be voting in the uh, Republican primary. And so we're going to have to make a decision between these two. And Bill, you were going to come on with an announcement about what day we're actually going to the polls. I got everything you need, doctor. We've got, uh, I'm just going to go right along the uh, the line here, the 2018 primary elections. The registration deadline is the 30th of July. Mail ballot request deadline is August 22nd. Early, early voting is uh, is going on right now until the 26th. 
vote by mail. Deadline is by 7 p.m. August 28th. And drum roll, please. The election day itself is August 20th. <laughs> August, <laughs> August 28th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Get okay, on out so, there. So let's see. What is the date today? Today is the 19th, 19th of August. So it's going to be Tuesday a week. Correct. 28th. Okay. So, folks, I want you to get out there and beat the bushes for this coming week. And then on Tuesday next, that'll be nine days from today, I want you to go vote. Or if you can vote by absentee ballot early, do that. That's a much easier way to do it than standing in line. Some people love standing in line. I think, Bill, you told me you like to stand in line. I'm a traditionalist. Was it you that told me that? I don't know, but it's correct. Are I, you there? I vote on election day. I don't believe in any other way. Bill? I guess we lost him, folks. He's oh, probably no, 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 I'm here. I'm here. You're here? Was it you that told me you like to stand in line to vote? I may not have been the one to tell you, but I'm a traditionalist. I'd rather vote on election day. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, it was it was you. Things that are worth it aren't supposed to be easy. Well, it's not easy filling out those absentee ballots. Oh my God, you have to put on your bifocals, <laughs> reading glasses, and, and so it, it takes some time uh, and it's some effort. It's a, it's an effort no matter what. So at any rate, let's take a look at Adam Putnam and Ron DeSantis. Now, Adam is an interesting guy. He was one of the youngest people voted to the Congress. And I believe at the time that he was elected, he was the youngest member of the House of Representatives. So he's been in the House for a number of years. And now I think he is uh, what's he's uh, commissioner of agriculture in, in Florida. Am I right about that? I think so. Now, this is a guy who has really good conservative uh, 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 credentials and he is uh, a go getter. And he's been in politics ever since he began his career, from what I can see. Uh, Ron DeSantis is also an interesting guy. He has uh, gotten a law degree. He's a, a graduate of Harvard and Yale. I think Yale undergrad and Harvard Law School. So he's plied the Ivy Leagues. And he's been in the military. He was with the Navy. He was with the with the JAG office, so he was deployed in either Iraq or Afghanistan and also at, at Gitmo. And you say, what are they deploying lawyers for? As I said last week, you have to have lawyers there now on the battlefield before you can have an engagement to make sure that no one is committing any or has the potential to commit any war crimes because we don't want our people being called before a war crimes uh, court. So you have to have lawyers now and you have to have lawyers at Gitmo to make sure that the interrogations meet all the federal statutes and, and all the rules of war and all this. So he had experience there. He's also been in the Congress. So he's plied the halls of Congress. He's plied the halls of Annapolis. Yeah, I think he was a graduate uh, of the JAG school. He's a lawyer. So you got two guys who have had a lot of experience, and they both look like they're good, strong conservatives. Now, on abortion, Adam Putnam is strongly pro-life. Ron is pro-life. Anti-recession stimulus funding, Putnam was mostly against, and Ron strongly opposes any anti-recession stum- stimulus funding. Now, remember, he was not in Congress at the time that the stimulus funding came through, and the 2005-2010 era, 
2012 era. But uh, Putnam was, he was in Congress in the first decade. So he had the opportunity to vote mostly against. And we also have to remember that a lot of these bills that come up are complex and they have more than one aspect, more than one facet. And you may have to make a compromise in one area in order to get another area passed through because they tack things on. The Iraq War, the War on Terror, uh, Putnam voted for that. Of course, the young DeSantis was not in Congress at that time, although he is strongly for the current War on Terror. Now, on civil rights and affirmative action, they're both very conservative, which means that they are not for affirmative action. And their civil rights attitudes are not the far left's, so they're very conservative, and that's a good thing. Now, as far as pro-business and pro-corporation, Putnam got a 97% rating from the the National Chamber of Commerce for his views on business and corporations. And of course, Ron DeSantis is pro-business uh, and pro-corporation. He's also pro-workforce training by uh, block grants to the states. And that's probably a little bit different than what Putnam would say. Nevertheless, I think they're both very pro-business kind of guys. What about gay marriage? They're both both opposed to gay marriage. Uh, what about God in school prayer? They're, they're both for that. This is not an issue that would sway, we, sway me one way or another, but it certainly is an issue that will get a lot of conservatives uh, out to vote. Uh, what about Obamacare? They're both against that, of course. What about Canadian uh, prescription drug uh, usage? That is your ability to go online and order drugs cheaper from, quote, quote, Canadian pharmacies, which are not necessarily Canadian pharmacies, but pharmacies that may be set up outside of the United States that order drugs from Canadian sources or as well as any other international source. Now, Adam Putnam is against this. I'm for this. I'm going to tell you why. We order drugs wholesale and sell to some of our patients. And I know that a lot of our drugs come from China or India, even though it's an American wholesaler that we're buying from. And that American wholesaler can offer us cheaper prices because they're getting, getting it from foreign countries, from areas that, where it's manufactured much cheaper than it would be in the United States. And so we're able to offer some things to our patients cheaper than they would be able to get them from the pharmacy. Now we're driving down the prices that the pharmacies are charging for some things. And we've even had to lower our prices for some things because the pharmacies are undercutting us. And you say, well, you're not that big, Dr. Bill. You don't do that much business. That's true, but believe me, if I'm getting it cheap, then the pharmacies, the big pharmacy comp corporations are looking at it and saying, well, how can this company XYZ that's selling to Dr. Handelman be getting everything so cheap and we're not. So then they go shopping. So believe me, competition, large or small, is good and it drives the prices down. And so I am for anything that will drive the prescription prices down as long as 
we're sure that we're getting the same medications. Now, listen, you probably are. I mean, the factories that produce generics for rugby or for Teva or some other big generic company are going to be producing basically the same things. And if they pass all of the FDA tests and all of the requirements for safe manufacturing and good manufacturing practices, and they're vetted by all the same agencies, then basically you're going to get the same thing. You're going to get, whether it's prescription Voltaren or generic Voltaren, you're going to get basically the same thing. So I think that we really do need competition. And if we're afraid from of competition from outside, then then we can look at it and say, well, wait a minute, is the manufacture of Voltaren powder in China hurting our domestic industry? Is there a company that's manufacturing Voltaren powder in the United States, diclofenic sodium? And if there is, do we need to have a tariff on that material that's coming in from China so that our industry can fairly compete? And I think that's something to look at. And you say, well, you don't believe in tariffs, you're a free trader. Come on, we've had tariffs since the inception of the republic. We've had tariffs for 250 years. We had tariffs when we were colonies. Tariffs are not new. How they're used and the size of them and the equity or inequity between countries, that we need to look at. So I don't agree with Adam Putnam on this. Now, he may have changed his stance. I don't know. Ron DeSantis, there's no info on that. Privatized Social Security. Both Adam Putnam and Ron DeSantis are for privatizing Social Security. And you say, well, I'm not sure I trust the private sector. You know what? Chile privatized their Social Security. (laughs) They've all got an excess now. Of course, the left wing is screaming that this money needs to be put to social programs and to redistribution of the wealth in Chile. But you know what? Chile's a the only first world country in South America. They have, through free enterprise and privatization of a number of government programs, pulled themselves from the bottom of the heap to the top of the heap in South America. By the way, we do a lot of trading with them. Marijuana legalization. Adam Putnam is opposed to it, as am I. Ron DeSantis, it's not clear to me. Gun control. They both oppose any kind of gun control, and and I'm for that, of course. I'm a big Second Amendment guy. I own guns, and I believe in stand your ground and all these other things that uh, that reaffirm our right to bear arms. If we're not armed, then we have no way to stand up against an overly obtrusive federal government. Uh, that would be the first thing that the left wing would do would be to take our arms away. And that's one of their big platforms is to get rid of the Second Amendment and the First Amendment. Let's see. First Amendment, Second Amendment. After that, what is left? Nothing, because all the other amendments will fall. The First and Second Amendment, those are the cornerstones. Those are the linchpins of our of our Bill of Rights. So. I agree with both these gentlemen on gun control, and they're both conservative on this. School vouchers, they're both for school vouchers, 
and I see no other way to slow down the, the march to the left in public schools without school vouchers, without homeschooling, without private schools, without faith-based schools, without philosophy-based schools. And the only way we're going to do this is through school vouchers. And we're seeing that, the again, the technology is driving this. I mean, more and more as the technology gets better and kids can study online and we have more regimentation of curricula by the states for online programs that there have to be basic things that you meet and you have to pass basic tests. I'm all for that. That is a wonderful thing. And of course, the right, the conservatives are picking this up and running with it. And the school vouchers are one good way to do this. So they're both for school vouchers. And they're both against the Common Core curricula, which I agree with. I think we should be against it, not because it in and of itself is going to introduce wrongful information and teaching, but because it gives too much power, as I've said over and over again, to the federal government. And if one thing there is that we must be solid on, it's that we do not want an overly obtrusive federal government. We want to keep it in check. We don't want a committee of public safety like the French had in the French Revolution. We don't want that. We don't want a monotheistic, monolithic state. We don't want a one-party state. We don't want fascism. We don't want it. It doesn't work. It's not good for us. So the school vouchers for both, both these guys are for, I'm talking about Putnam and DeSantis taking a look at this for the upcoming primary next week. Now, what about the police, the police program? Putnam is against that, and he's got the strong support of a lot of the state and county law enforcement officials. Ron DeSantis is for policing the police, and as you know, I am for policing the police. I am 100% in DeSantis' corner on this. Police endorsement, it is strong for Putnam and absent for DeSantis from what I can see. Their political stances, okay, the political stances, you have to call Putnam a hardcore conservative. DeSantis is a little more malleable, so he's kind of libertarian-leaning conservative. Uh, I think that he's more workable. Uh, Putnam is a politician, a career politician, by the way, and that's okay. And he's, he's uh, knocking DeSantis for being a novice. I don't think that that's true. And DeSantis is knocking him for being a career politician. You know, I, I think they're both going after uh, push button, hot button points, uh, hot button topics that people will respond to. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to vote for DeSantis. I'm going to vote for him because I like the way he spoke. I like most of his stances. I think that he's more malleable. And most importantly, he's being backed by the president. Does that mean that he's the best man? No, it does not. Does it mean that we need to put forward a solid locked arm front? Yes, it does. And that's what we got to do. So I want you to get out there and vote for DeSantis. I've invited Putnam on the show a couple of times through his people who are texting me, and I haven't heard from him. He's certainly welcome to come on and defend himself as is Ron DeSantis. 
It's close to the end of the show. I hope everybody had a good time. I did. And I'll see you guys next week. This is Dr. Bill Radio MD. I'm gone. You guys have a good Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.